0: I am honored to be introducing Reverend Patrick Harbula today as our guest presenter. As noted in our announcements, Reverend Patrick is no stranger to Edmonton, and he loves our city and province and all of you. Reverend Patrick has been a spiritual leader, counselor, and coach for over 30 years and reaches hundreds of thousands with his writing and personal and media appearances. Patrick is author of of The Magic of the Soul, Applying Spiritual Power to Daily Living, which is being used as an elective course For science of mind training as part of the 200 series through CSL. He is founder of the Living Purpose Institute and creator of the Life Coaching Certification Program and the Primal Fire Intensive. He was ordained as an independent religious science minister by the late Dr. Earl Barnum in 1985 and affiliated with CSL in 2010. He trained in spiritual psychology under the late Dr. Vivian King. He's also ordained and recognized as a Doctor of Divinity through Spiritual Unity Movement of which he was the president for 12 years. He founded Meditation Magazine. He was formerly a director for Sage Publications, a world-renowned social science publisher. Patrick will be available after the service to sign his book. Speaking on new thought versus new age, what's the difference? Please welcome Reverend Dr. Patrick Harbula. <laughs>
1: Ah, big hand for Mitch. Oh, I always like to start that way because it brings me joy. That's a fun way to start. And let's give another hand for Katie. Was that phenomenal? I just love that. That just opened my heart. Ah, I'm so so pleased to be back. Eight times I've been here. I think I've spoken here more than any other time other than my home. Uh, center in Simi Valley, California, and, uh, and by the way, I posted on my Facebook last night that this is one of my favorite venues, and the only reason I didn't say my favorite venue is because I didn't want to offend any other venues, right? This is my favorite place to come visit and speak, so I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. Love you guys. I get so much love for you, so I can't help but love you this much back. So... Um, so my talk is, new age versus new thought, what's the difference? Anyone ever have that question, you know, what's, because we hear about new, new age stuff, we hear about new thought stuff, and, uh, and sometimes there's some confusion about that, and that's why I decided to address this. Anyone have that kind of question in their mind? So here's the similarities. So we are, we are all one, there's one spirit or force that contains all, this is Familiar, familiar to us all. We create our reality through what we think. Love and God are synonymous. Meditation and conscious prayer create dynamic change in our lives. We are capable and all on a path of evolving into higher states of consciousness and expressions of love, yes? Both were influenced by Franz Mesner. So here are some of the um, differences between new thought and new age. So new age is non-centralized. Uh, There's no organizing um, central organizing body that kind of governs what might be taught or what might be considered new age. It's something that has grown very organically. That could be a strength and a, and a limitation as I'll show in a little bit. Um, new thought is fairly centralized There's cl- and there are clearly defined beliefs. There is a governing body that says, this is science of mine, that isn't science of mine. So we're, you know, we're not as organized, perhaps as organized religion, <laughs> but we're or, more organized than, say, New Age, uh, the New Age movement. Um, in fact, a good friend of mine, Dr. Uh, Jim Lockhart, anyone know Dr. Jim? So he says that uh, when people come to me and say, you know, I, I, hate, I really don't like organized religion, he says, well, then you'll love us because we're not organized at all. <laughs> so New Age believes that we are in a, time, uh, in a time period of massive change that is influenced by the position of the planets. New thought, no, not so much. I mean, I don't think anyone can, can probably, especially anyone conch, on a conscious path, path, can deny that we are in a period of radical change, yes? Um, But new thought does not necessarily believe it's because of the position of the planets or has to do with astrology. Um, Although, and here's the interesting thing, is that there may be many people in new thought, including congregants, practitioners, ministers, who do believe in astrology, but it's not the teaching of science of mind, right? And what I've found, by the way, is as far as the differences, you know, most congregants most people come to centers may not know the difference and probably don't really care that much right Um, but at the level of leadership at the level of teaching uh, this becomes important just to define what our teaching is what science of mind is what new thought is so new age most new age uh, uh, teachings believe in a hierarchy of ascended beings who serve on behalf of humanity new thought not so much Okay, not at all. Um, although, again, some, some practitioners, some members, some ministers may believe in this, but it's not the teaching of science of mind. Many believe that crystals, astrology, in New Age, and psychics, uh, etc., have powers beyond what we give them. New thought, definitely not. This is probably the main distinction. Um, so, science of mind and new thought believes that everything is a product of our consciousness right and so if we heal we are healing as a result of our consciousness if we increase our prosperity we are increasing our prosperity as a result of our consciousness and the consciousness is the only thing that really matters now in new age you might find people that um, use crystals and these other forms and again i don't know if most new thoughters Um, have a problem with that unless we find that we are giving our power away to these things right in other words the powers in the crystal now you guys have a crystal healing bed here as part of the center which i've never experienced when do i get to experience that laura (laughs) Um, anyone tried that okay cool is it it's good you have a good experience all right and yet you probably don't believe that that has any more power than your own consciousness right and here's the thing that I find is, the people who have problems, and by the way, I've heard people actually talk about this center and say, they've got a crystal healing bed, that's not science of mind, right? And so, for me, I don't quite understand the, the, the people in our movement who have a problem with all of these various things, because in the same token, then they might say, oh, you know, crystal healing, that's not science of mind, so we shouldn't be involved in it. Um, they would say, but if you have an illness and you go to a doctor to, to help you to heal that, that illness, it's not the doctor that's healing you. It is your consciousness. It is spirit, it's alignment with spirit, it's recognizing that there's only one and that we have the, the power within us to heal ourselves. And the doctor simply becomes the medium through which that healing can show up, Right? So why would it not be the same if you used a crystal healing bed or, some, or, or went to a psychic? As long as you recognize that the power is not in those things, the power is in within me. Yes? In fact, I have a client who, um, who goes, he sees me uh, once a month by phone, and he also sees a psychic quite, uh, quite regularly. And, uh, and he gets really upset when the psychic doesn't tell him what he wants to hear, <laughs> right? Like, I wanted to hear that, you know, this next year is going to be the brightest year ever, right? And, um, and what I'll often tell him, and, our, and, and I, I've been to psychics myself, and, but what I know, what I feel, the truth for me is that everything is a product of our consciousness. So actually, your, your consciousness is creating the psychic and creating... Everything the psychic tells you. And so every, everyone you might go to for advice or help or anything to recognize that you are, as uh, Robert Scheinfeld says in Busting Loose from the Money Game, the book on which uh, the workshop I'm doing later on today is based, is that um, we're simply popping everything into our hologram as a result of our consciousness. And so everything that the psychic tells him is actually his consciousness telling the psychic what to tell him, right? And so that kind of makes us pretty powerful, doesn't it? If we're creating everything. I'm gonna talk a little bit more about that in a moment. Okay, next slide. So early influences of new thought versus new age. Um, New thought, Franz Mesmer where the term mesmerizing came from was a hypnotist and, and the person from which a lot of our teaching originated. Um, a lot of New Thought and New Age. And then, uh, so New Thought, Phineas Quimby, Mary Baker Eddy, Ralph Waldo Emerson, Thomas Troward, and other transcendentalists. Um, a bit later, Emma Curtis Thompson, Joel Goldsmith, and of course, Ernest Holmes, and many others. For New Age, again, Franz Mesmer was on both sides. Uh, or influenced both. Madame Blavatsky, who, um, created, who was the founder of the Theosophical Movement. Emmanuel Swedenborg, George Gurdjieff, and later Alice Bailey, the I Am Teachings, Elizabeth Clare Prophet, Jane Robertson, and Marilyn Ferguson, as we come into the 60s. And um, So next slide, got a few pictures here. Uh, Franz Mesmer, Mary Baker Eddy, Helena Blavatsky, an interesting side note is, and by the way, both Christian science, which was founded by Mary Baker Eddy, and uh, the Theosophical Society, which began in the late, both of them in the late 1800s, um, were very, very powerful movements at the time. It was kind of at a time when science was coming into the forefront, and people were starting to question traditional theological belief because it didn't jive with science, right? And so both of these people took a very scientific approach to spirituality, which was really refreshing to a lot of people, especially kind of the intelligentsia of the time. And so you found a lot of influential people both resonating and coming into the, um, the fold of Christian science and both theosophy. Um, now both of these uh, movements have declined over time, but uh, Christian science at its, uh, at its peak had about 300,000 members. And Theosophy, I couldn't find any worldwide numbers, but um, in this country, about 45,000, and worldwide, probably three times that much. And Theosophy drew in, I'd say even maybe even more prominently than Christian science, drew in a lot of very influential people, including people like Thomas Edison, the inventor. Few of you have heard of him, right? So, they were both really uh, um, thriving movements. So, I want to talk about the limitations of both of our movements, the New Age movement, what I see as the limitations. So, next slide, please. So, New Thought is um, there's centralization, there's organization as a religious denomination, which makes it less attractive to its target market, cultural creatives. So I'll explain that. So the cultural creatives are people who are, see if I can come up with a definition, are people who are, um, tend to think outside of the box. They are, as the term would indicate, very creative people. People who are, tend to be non-traditional, tend to be interested in the environment, tend to be liberal politically, um, tend to, Um, seek spirituality in uh, a common theme would be seeing spirit, God in everything, as opposed to a being outside of ourselves. And so I I think this is something I have identified, is I think that one of the reason it's, you know, science of mind is in new thought, it's relatively small denomination compared to other denominations, right? And yet our principles are now being taught by everyone. And yet not everyone recognizes that you know, mo- a, a good portion of this came from Ernest Holmes and these earlier teachers, teachers that I talked about. And so I think part of the reason of that is because we are organized and there is an organization and we do have, um, we're not as organized as organized religion, but we are organized. And so this is a turnoff to a lot of cultural creatives. So um, what is the solution to that? Perhaps it is um, reaching out in a way that is, you know, uh, I, I have a focus ministry and part of my focus ministry is I do, uh, I lead ceremonial sweat lodges, non-traditional sweat lodges, and I get a ton of young people coming every month to these ceremonies because it is relatively non structured Everyone sits in a circle. We pass the talking stick around. Inside the lodge, everyone says a prayer. It is, um, so it is a more freeform form. And so I think that for us to reach the goal that we have as an organization, to reach 100 million people with our teaching, as Dr. Ken uh, Gordon, our spiritual leader, talks about a lot, is... Um, we're gonna need to shift the way we do things, right? I really think that New Thought, and maybe church in general, um, will be done 50 years from now, completely differently than it's done now. Does that make sense? There'll be a place for what we're doing here, but there will also be other alternatives. I'm very involved, uh, getting very involved in um, the Emerging Leaders program, Reverend Abigail Scherer, um, is really involved in this. And, and once a year, they have a, uh, a retreat for emerging leaders or young adults. And, um, and I've seen a service, services they've put, put on, and I want to tell you, they're better, better than any services that us old, older folks are put on. <laughs> um, so very, very innovative and different. And so I think the next generation, and I'm gonna talk more about, I think, this paradigm shift that's occurring in, in the world in, in a little bit. So the new age is decentralized, which makes it open uh, to ev- anything and everything, which makes it attractive to the cultural creatives, because there isn't, there's no dogma, there's no rules. It's like you can believe whatever you want, and yet um, the potential problem with that is that uh, because there is no defining of this is new age or that or that is new age, then it's open to everything, right? And so, um, you know, when I used to publish Meditation Magazine, it was in the 1980s, kind of when the New Age movement was just taking off. And before that, New Age had a lot of credibility, right? Um, Theosophy was very well respected at one time. Um, Marilyn Ferguson, anyone read the book, The Aquarian Conspiracy? Phenomenal book that, you're nodding your head, phenomenal book that really, Clearly defines like every area of society and how and what the paradigm shift is from the previous age, the Piscean age to the Aquarian age. And I wish I had about three hours; I'd talk more more about that. But then, when it became a fad, when anything becomes a fad, then it becomes open to like everything. And so then, and so then, at a certain point, um, so there was when when it started to become a fad, it was really big. And it was very marketable. Everyone was naming whatever they were doing new age. And then when it became got further and further from its original um, precepts, then no one wanted to be associated with it because it was seen as being flaky, right? So even New Age magazine changed its name for that reason, um, even though it was a very popular uh, magazine under that name. So I have. To talk about this a little bit, let me get a poll. How many people here consider yourself new thoughters? You're in the new thought teachings. How many consider yourself new agers? You also are interested in new age stuff. Am I practically the only one? <laughs> no, there's a few. Uh, in this, this next little segment, I'm not talking about new agers specifically, but I am talking about the... Um, the extremism of, of new age, and maybe before, the, before I go there, I'll talk about the new age uh, or the extremism of new thought, which in the old days tend to be quite rigid, right? Um, I've been, I started studying science of mind back in 1980, was ordained in 1985, as my, as my introduction said. Thank you for doing that. Um, anyone else been in the teaching that long, since maybe the early 80s? Okay, I'm the only one. Oh, very good, very good. So it was very different back then, wasn't it? Right? Um, it was about science of mind. There was a there was a minister who um, who said who had a very very well known and respected minister who I knew someone who worked in his office and um, at the at the center of the church that he, he was the uh, the leader for. And when he was sick, he would call in and say, do not tell anyone I'm sick. Because that would look like there was something wrong with his consciousness, right? And so that was the old model. That was the interpretation of science of mind is a new thought, is that if something happened that we didn't like, right, then... um, we might say, what did I do? And and, and we don't teach this anymore, but it still shows up, right? What's wrong with my consciousness that attracted this particular situation, right? Or what is even worse is when someone says, what was wrong with your consciousness that you attracted this situation? Because that instantly makes you feel much lighter and better, right? No. Um, so the better question to ask in that case, and I think this is where our teaching is, has evolved to, is what is the greater freedom, joy, or love that wants to emerge from this situation? Because as Robert Scheinfeld in Busting of from The Money Game says, we're not creating our reality from the presence of our personal self. We are creating our reality from the presence of our higher self, our most expanded self. And therefore, everything that is created is for us. Nothing is against us, yes? Bless you. So the limitations of um, the New Age teaching or the extremism is that it can be very flaky. So in Meditation Magazine once um, published a cartoon that I wrote, I didn't draw it, my artist drew it. And so here it is, hmm, I think my master's uh, beginning to come through. And I actually got some letters about this, I got some flack about this, because they said, you're making fun of the masters. But no, what I was making fun of is people think that they're contacting the masters when in fact it's Mickey Mouse that's knocking <laughs> on their head, right? And um, so I've got a little story I'll tell you in a moment. But just to, to kind of um, emphasize the, the extremism that, can, that gave New Age a bad name, this, is a, this next slide is a little thing about um, you might be a new ager, okay? So if you carry crystals on every part of your clothing, including your belt buckle, you might be a new ager. If you feel that your illnesses are caused by tannic possession, pranic dissonance, or an imbalance between yang and yin, you might just be a new ager. If you believe that God and Jesus pilot a UFO, and or Buddha, Krishna, Yahweh, you might perchance just be a new ager. If you name your child Aquarius, Moon child Morning Star Jonathan, Livingston, Siegel, perhaps you might be a New Ager. If you have a pet named Karma, Ra, Rainbow, Bodhi, you're probably a New Ager. If you hear voices in your head and instead of seeking professional help, um, you assume that you are the chosen one, you might be a New Ager. If your only dress-up clothes are flowing robes and tie-dyed T-shirts, uh, you guessed it, you're probably a new ager. If you refuse to go to a job interview because the feng shui isn't done just right, you might just be a new ager. And this last one is based on a true story that I'll tell you. If you're told by a space brother to mortgage your home to rent out the 100,000 seat LA Coliseum for an event called Earth Star and you do it and a thousand people show up, there's a damn good chance you're a new ager. (laughs) So when I was publishing Meditation Magazine, there was a woman who we interviewed against my judgment, but our editor at the time um, wanted to do it, so let her go ahead. Um, so she was contacted on uh, during Harmonic Convergence meant uh, in 1986 uh, by a space brother flying in a UFO, was her experience. And the space brother told her, you are going to create an event called Earth Star. You're going to rent the Coliseum, which... Has hundred thousand seats in it, and uh, and she did mortgage her home to do this, and a um, thousand people showed up. Now a thousand people is a pretty good, you know, turnout for a new age event, but in a stadium with a hundred thousand seats, it looked a little bit flaky, right? So, um, so that's the kind of thing that you know that w- w- went on. That again, um, kind of. Uh, illegitimized the new age movement in a sense. So next slide, but what I want to get to is there are really great principles in both of these movements. And so I am a new thoughter and a new ager. I used to be more of a new ager, now I'm more of a new thoughter. Um, But combining the best gives gives both or rather combining the best of both, gives us a recognition of our evolution as a species, that we are in, in an unprecedented opportunity for transformation, and that we have created it all as a result of our consciousness. And it is totally up to us what we make of this global paradigm shift. So I want to talk about a little bit about this, this global paradigm shift. So Barbara Marks Hubbard says... We are not just evolving as a species, we are evolving into a new species. What she calls Homo universalis, from Homo sapiens to Homo universalis, or the universal human, which means the universal human is one who walks in harmony with all things, and who has, recognizes our power to create our reality. So, in the book, Busting Loose from the Money Game, that uh, again that the um, which is a great extension of my book, The Magic of the Soul, which is all about looking for the magic in every experience. It's what I call radical gratitude and I'll share a little bit of a story about that in the workshop. Um, but what Robert Scheinfeld says, and he really pushes this idea about how we create our reality absolutely. He says that not only do each one of us create our reality, but we have written the script of the play for our life. We have given everyone a copy that we ever meet, which tells each person how to show up, how to behave, and what to say in each and every moment. That's kind of radical, right? So in the workshop, though, I'm going to share some stories of my own personal shift from what I call relativism to absolutism, believing that absolutely everything is a product of our consciousness. And I believe that by the end of the workshop, you will be willing to, if you're not already, to adopt this principle, to recognize that, and to just give you the end game in case you can't come to the workshop, the practice is, for the next month, just notice everything that happens in your life and see what it feels like if you affirm, if you recognize that I have created that. Okay? And I used to resist this because I used to think there's got to be more than just my consciousness at work here. But again, I don't have time to go into how that, how I have come to adopt that and how um, absolutely, miraculously my life shifted when I made that change in consciousness, okay? And the other thing I want to emphasize about that is that another piece to this is in order to be In order to be in complete and total power of our reality, we must not be attached to results. So Robert Scheinfeld says, when we get to the consciousness where we realize that it's no better to have a million dollars than it is to owe a million dollars, then we'll have the consciousness to be able to create whatever we want, with a snap of a fingers. Do you feel that? Because as long as I'm attached to any particular outcome, I'm saying that this outer experience, this world, this, or this experience in the world of illusion has power over my inner experience. And no matter how far we've come down this path, we still seem to forget that it's an inside-out game. Even in spiritual mind treatment, we, we tend to think, okay, once... I'm able to manifest this different situation in my life, then I'll be happy. But it always works the other way around. It's only when I become happy, joyful, free, abundant inside that the outside changes. So as long as I'm saying that the outside world or something in the in the in the world of form has um, is better, you know, one situation is better than the other then I'm saying that has power over my inner experience. When I recognize that everything is perfect just the way it is, and any shift that occurs is simply icing on an already perfect cake, then I am stating to my own subconscious that I have the power, does that make sense? So we're in an amazing time of transformation. I'm telling you, you know, we may look at the world and say, wow, there's a lot of stuff like politically in my country going on, there's a lot of stuff that we don't like, but all of it is, 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 is perfectly planned because at the level of our individual life, we're creating our reality perfectly, but in the level of our planetary, our mass consciousness life, we are doing it as well. The, the collective consciousness of our planet is designing everything perfectly to lead to our greatest evolution, to lead to us becoming purer and higher and higher expressions of love because that's the only thing that we are here to do, yes? So, it's an exciting time. I absolutely believe. You know, the teachings that we, that we enjoy and that we've come to places like this to, to learn and to remind each other about. And, and used to be this is the only place you could get it are now on people's iPhones, on the internet, that, that our younger people see each and every day, right? And imagine what it's gonna be like when the grandchildren of the people who are growing up in the environment of this truth are in charge of our planet, right? Two generations from now. We will not recognize it. I really believe that everything that's happening is leading to us truly recognizing our power and creating a planet, a world that works for everyone. And the most important thing that I want to end with is that we are here to unfold love. And the most important place to start is with ourselves is loving ourselves and even in our teaching we tend to forget that this is the most important thing. This is my absolute baseline spiritual practice is I love myself no matter what. It came to me, I was talking to a client recently and the phrase that came to me is when I love myself unconditionally, what I ultimately realize is that I'm not myself. I am in fact the self. I am in fact pure love you are pure love, we are pure love, and I love you. Thank you very much.